Well, hello, folks. Uh, thank you so much for being here. It's always uh, our privilege that you've taken time out of your day um, just to sit in and just join this conversation and see where um, God is, I believe God is leading uh, us, and, and hopefully that you find value there as well um, in your spiritual walk. Um, today we're going to continue the conversation that we started last week um, called, What is the Church? And I hope that you have your Bibles in front of you, whether it's uh, the physical Bible or electronic one, and because we're going to turn to John chapter 4, and this week we're going to be in verses 1 through 26, and then next week we're going to pick it up again and finish up the story. This week we're going to look at um, Jesus at the well and, and, and what took place there as it might apply to the church. Uh, if, he's our, if he's our lead, and he is, Christ is the head of the church, then the examples that he set while he was here uh, should very much apply to how we act and how we respond and how, to, how we uh, be the hands and feet of Christ as the church today. If you were with us, I don't know how long you've been watching, but if you were with us at the end of May and the 1st of June, uh, you know that we spent a few weeks in conversation um, at the end of chapter 4 of the Gospel of Matthew and the beginning of chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew. And why, what that was, was it was kind of like the foundation of where we are now, is what is the church? Because at the end of chapter 4, uh, Matthew describes the day when Jesus begins to call his disciples his followers. And, and so we really said that that was the beginning of Jesus formulating the church and how it should look in, in our times. And when he did so, he had the invitation, uh, really the command, to some folks to follow. And it wasn't just to follow, but it was very much uh, the reality that is we are to emulate him as his church, as his followers, as his disciples, our effort, our intention is to become more and more like Jesus Christ. In order to uh, make this happen, we, we found out of the, immediately following that, Jesus takes the, the disciples into the, the city square, really, and he tells them that to be his followers, what he, they want, he wants them to do, and he gave them on-the-job training of teaching, preaching, and healing. It's hugely important for us to hear that. As the church, Jesus says that we are to teach, preach, and heal the world. He then tells them in the uh, beginning in chapter 5 of Matthew that they're different. As we become more and more like Christ, we become less and less like the world. Then he tells them that you will be the salt, and you will be the light. You will be the influencers. You will be the guides of the world as the church. We're not second to any worldly government, but, my, but hugely important again to know that we are to be the light of the entire world. And he says, go. With that foundation, we established the premise then that if that's how Jesus demonstrated to his first followers on how to conduct themselves in this world, then it most certainly should apply exactly like that to us in 2020. Exactly like that for the church today. As we talked through the weeks, then we also established uh, that Christ is the head of the church. But the church is not a physical address or a building. The church is individuals who Jesus Christ has walked into our lives and changed them dramatically and permanently. And we, as individuals, we are the church, but also in a corporate way, we are the church of believers. We are the church 
then everywhere and at all times. So the series continues today as what is the church? And as I said, today and next week, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. We're beginning in verse number 1 today. And we're going to follow Jesus into Samaria. And it's a familiar story to many. And, and he, because he walks into Samaria, and he has a relatively short conversation with a woman. And by all that we know, by the end of that story, her life is permanently and dramatically changed. Um, she becomes a follower. She becomes a disciple, really and she becomes the church. And we'll talk about that more this week and, and next week. But, but I want to start out, and I'm going to read this in three different segments today, um, because it's a long passage, and, and I want you to know that I would love it if, if you would also look into this passage yourself, uh, because it's not an exhaustive uh, rendition of what happens here. We're going to be looking at completely then as, as the, these uh, verses apply to the church. And so please study it yourself. This week we're going to look at Jesus as the well, at the well. And in three different ways, the first reading will be about broken relationships. The second relation, or excuse me, reading will be about broken people. And then the third will be about broken cycles. And so let's go into this first, first nine verses then about broken relationships. The Word of God in John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, says this. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There's a little bit of background story that we, we, get, we need to talk about because it's important for us to uh, know what was really taking place in 30 AD in order for us to properly understand it and apply it in 2020 AD. So the background of what is going on here is that there was a long-standing animosity between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, the northern neighbors. And, and it was at one time a part of the united Israel but for reasons we just really don't have time to look into, there was a split, and now there was really, truly hatred from the Jews against the Samaritan people. It was so much so, it said that he had to go through Samaria, but it was because they were going to Galilee, which would be north of Samaria. But the, the story is that the real religious people, the people who really cared, wouldn't even step foot in Samaria. They would leave Israel and go clear to their, uh, around it, to their east, and, and, and cross a river even, and then cross it again once they got north of Samaria so they can get to Galilee. They didn't even want the dust on their feet. They were hated so much. But here we have Jesus walking straight into Samaria and sitting down at a well and talking to a woman a Samaritan woman. 
if we were going to make an application for the church, it has to start here. That re- Jesus risked everything as far as the people thought he was a good teacher. He risked uh, perhaps a worldly reputation to travel to this despised place and really have a church for an audience of one. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. When sometimes we think that bigger is better and reputation is everything and what the world might think is really important, but Jesus was willing to risk everything for a predetermined de- destiny to sit down with a woman who needed his voice, who needed him. Jesus here is breaking the taboo of racial and gender bias. Intentional or not, sometimes our churches fill up with people just like us. That's natural, because it's local folks who were raised like us, and act like us, and talk like us, and think like us. So when Jesus instructs us to go, He is intending for us to reach people of all classes, of all races, of all backgrounds, of all present understandings, because He Himself has preordained eternal destinies for these people. And He's telling His followers, His church, to go. Find them and talk to them. What is the church? Well, if we took this passage of Scripture, we have to know that in a world that is becoming increasingly polarized, it is up to us, and us alone, to reach the hand of reconciliation, to extend the hand across the aisle to people not like us at all, because they too need and must hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to repair broken relationships, and so should we as the church. Next, I want to look at the next, ten, next eight verses, 10 through 18, and that's entitled, Broken People. It starts out like this. He's talking to the woman, remember? She came up and was startled to even see him sitting there. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, have you, nothing to draw, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Broken people. 
Jesus came to heal broken people. The last bit of verses we read, it said that it was the sixth hour of the day. And, and if you look up any commentary, they, they would mention that this would be quite odd time of day uh, for a woman to come to the well. Um, she would have came alone, which again in itself was odd, because going to the well for the women in, early in the morning it was one of the social events of the day when they would go out there and, and talk about the things that women do. But this woman came alone. And so it would really very much so indicate that because of her past, her brokenness, her present, and all the people thought probably her future, the good women of the town didn't want to associate with her. But Jesus came to Samaria, to a woman, to a well, and had church with one that was so desperately in need to hear his voice. He offered her living water, and if you have the opportunity, you can go to John chapter 7, and you can find out what he's speaking of there, is that when you accept the Son, the Spirit comes. And the living water of the Holy Spirit brings blessings to the believer and the life and light that they will, from this point forward, uh, shed in the world that they inhabit. The story on this is further maybe um, illuminated in John chapter 8 in a similar story where the Pharisees brought a poor woman who was accused of being uh, a prostitute. And they brought this woman and, and just threw her at the feet of Jesus and said, the law says she must be stoned and Jesus bent down. <laughs> Not even looking at them, knowing full well their own sin. And he said, anybody here that was without sin, throw the first stone. As they contemplated this, her accusers walked away. And he says that to the woman, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. And he says, then neither do I accuse you, but do this. Leave your life of sin. Jesus comes in the lives of broken people and says to leave your, skin, your sin behind because that is what is entangling you. But here's what we have to know. When Jesus presents this understanding to us, it's not a condition for healing, but it is the very provision that heals. Leaving our sin is not a condition for healing. It is the provision that allows for the healing to take place. Jesus came to heal broken people. And so should we. Thirdly, this understanding of broken cycles. Jesus came to change the course of the broken cycles that all human beings at times fall into, and it's such a rut and it's such a difficult thing for us to move past by ourselves. In fact, it cannot happen until we hear the voice of Jesus Christ. In verse number 19, it goes on and says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, in church, hear this, please. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in, this Jew, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. 
For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he does come, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus says, a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth, not the building down the street, but every breath that they take. This woman had had five husbands, and the one that she was with now was not that either. And she had this cycle of sin that just kept going through her life, and she knew full well that it wasn't what she wanted, and it wasn't the way that it was supposed to be. But the only solution was when Jesus walked into her life and sat down and said, I want to show you a new way. And the cycle of her life was changed. It was completely rerouted from the path that she thought and everybody else in town thought was going to be her life from that point forward. And Jesus said, no. Unless new information is presented into the lives of the people uh, that are on these cycles, then nothing is going to change. It's just going to repeat over and over and over again. It's the business as usual. And changes are never made by strong wills, and, and, but only by the grace of God. God the Father ordains the meeting of people all over the world with broken lives and, and, and they need healing and, and they need the relationships to be repaired and they need these cycles to be broken. And it can only happen when they hear the voice of Jesus Christ and it can only continue when they are being propelled by the Holy Spirit. But how can they hear unless we go to them? Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. And her life is changed forevermore. We have to ask then, with so much information in this passage, then what is our place in all of this? What should we do then as a church? What is our starting point to be his disciples and to be his followers? And if we are to be like Jesus, then we must, we must, we must begin today by mending fences, by mending people, and helping people to break the cycles of pain that is so evident and just glares across the newspapers and, and the news at night and the social media. In this world where everybody's pointing fingers and saying there's no hope for them. In a, in, in a place, in, our, in a time uh, 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 of, our, of our history when people are more apt to, to um, um, hate someone than to care for someone. The church absolutely has to be different. Because Jesus came to change the course of people's lives. And so must we. And so thinking today, if you're listening out there and you want to be his true followers, then where on earth do you need to mend the fence right now? Most of us don't have to go to Samaria to do so. Where do you need to fix a broken relationship? Many of us need to talk to our own family. 
maybe our neighbors across the street, perhaps the person down the pew at the building that we go to on Sunday. Jesus came to repair broken relationships, and so should we. As a church, who can we, who can we uh, step into their lives and, and allow a voice of healing to come in there? So many times we criticize people who already know that their life just isn't what it's supposed to be. Imagine what it would be like to somebody who doesn't even want to be seen in the crowd to hear you say, I have news for you. I have an opportunity for your life to change. How many people walk by us daily whether in a phone conversation or literally on the streets? How many people in our own church buildings could we sit down with, mend a fence, offer healing, and then show them the Messiah? There's much to do. But Jesus has shown us the way and we know how to get there. The thing is, as a church, not a building, but as individual believers who have heard the voice of Jesus Christ, will we truly step into his lead and meet people that he's already ordained from the foundations of the world to find him, and to find eternal life. Well, God bless you guys. Next week we're going to continue on in this. If you want to read ahead, and I hope you do, uh, we'll read the end of the, this account, uh, verses 27 and 42 in John chapter 4 again. And we want to see how this plays out then in this woman's life. How, and it's very important for us. We, we look at Jesus at the well, and then what happens to this woman then as soon as she becomes part of the church, let's say. What does she do? And maybe for many of us, we can take a lesson from her. But I'd like to end today with, with just a word of prayer, and, and then uh, just thanks so much for being here, okay, folks? God in heaven, um, you speak. And we pray that as your people, we truly listen. God, these are powerful things that we find in your scripture today about broken relationships, broken people, and the opportunity that you give us as your people to break these cycles. God, help us as individuals. Help us as the corporate body. Move your church, God. Help us to be the light of the world that we have been intentioned to be, that you have given us the training to be. Help us to hear the Spirit in a, a new and powerful way going forward from today. God, we long to serve you. We long to be known as your body, as your church. But most importantly, God, we want to make you famous. So we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you come into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care, folks.